Hello everyone, you are listening to the first part of BTG Legal's podcast on trends in employment litigation in India. I am your host Pratik Bakshi and this part of the podcast will cover the background and causes of employment litigation in India. The employer-employee relationship is integral to any successful business. A balance in the relationship between the two brings reward and conversely transgressions or excesses by either is detrimental to it. Disputes or entanglements between employers and employees are unpalpable but what is the recourse? Can employment disputes be avoided? What are the steps to bear in mind while handling such disputes and what are the likely consequences of such disputes? Today, I'm joined by Arjun Paleri, partner, and Jaya Ramachandran, senior associate in the employment law team at BTG Legal, who will answer such questions. Arjun, let me ask you to start us off. What does employment litigation mean in India? Thanks, Pratik. Employment litigation covers a broad range of disputes or claims. And the obvious parties are most often the employer and the employee. You could classify employment litigation into three broad categories. The first is litigation by employees, contractors, or their representatives, such as trade unions. This is the most common form and is handled by special courts known as labor courts or industrial tribunals. Then you have litigation instigated by employers. This is not very common, at least not as common as claims of employees. And this usually involves action to enforce the service conditions imposed on employees, which are treated more as contractual breaches and therefore handled by civil courts. The last category is litigation pursued by labor authorities against employers. And these are authorities who could be either judicial or governmental authorities. This is usually done for contravention of labor or employment law or from complaints originating from employees. There may be other litigations too, basically involving a combination of these three categories. So are there special forums which deal with such litigation or can claims be instituted in any court? In the present system, there is a distinction between the forums or courts which handle employment litigation, claims by employees or their representatives such as trade unions are handled by courts designated as labor courts or industrial tribunals which are specialist courts. Other types of claims, such as those by employers, go to the civil or criminal courts, depending on the claims in each case. With the new Industrial Relations Code being introduced in India, and the implementation of this code is perhaps imminent, the system of dispute resolution will be somewhat altered. There is now more emphasis on negotiation, mediation, and arbitration of disputes between employees and employers. Therefore, it's more conciliatory in nature rather than being litigation-oriented. Therefore, under the new system, litigation will usually follow only where all the other modes of conciliation have failed to resolve a dispute. Even for employment litigation, the new system of courts will be called industrial dispute tribunals, which will replace courts to handle most other employment-related claims. Impact-wise, this may have a diminishing effect on rights of employees. One of the main reasons will be that the industrial tribunals may not have the geographical reach of the labor courts and thus may hamper an employee's access to legal recourse. On the other hand, 
This may have a low impact on the rights of employers. In fact, employers may also have the right to pursue claims against employees under the new system. However, as is always with the new law, the gestation period where practices, protocols and outcomes become clearer is a bit long. Therefore, we will have more information about the functioning and the effectiveness of the new industrial tribunals once the new industrial relations code is implemented and the industrial tribunals come into being and become vetted. In your experience, what are the common causes for employment litigation in India? Speaking broadly, there are three or four main causes for employment litigation in India. But these causes are not unique to India. The first cause, and this perhaps goes to the very nature of the employer-employee relationship, is withholding of statutory dues and benefits to employees. The most obvious cause certainly is non-payment of salary or statutory contributions such as provident fund, gratuity, ESIC, etc. Delayed or partial payment of such dues are causes too. A single contravention would not normally lead to litigation against the employer. We have not seen this happen. Action by employees will usually come about when the contravention is so severe or prolonged that an employee is left with no recourse but to take legal action against the employer. The remedy in such cases is almost always with the employers who can rectify delays and therefore stave off the risks of employee instigated litigations. The second cause is contravention of applicable law and especially labor law. Some of the common contraventions leading to litigation are failure of employers to follow statutory working hours for employees or refusing to pay overtime wages when employees have worked overtime. Failure of the employer to maintain statutory health and safety protocols at the workplace or failing to obtain registrations and licenses are common causes too. As with the first cause, control over the risks lies with the employers. There is no risk when compliances are met. The third cause is termination of employees without following due process. Due process means that certain classes of employees can only be dismissed or retrenched with notice, payment of severance compensation, and approval or notice to the labor authorities. Other classes of employees must be provided a minimum period of notice or payments in lieu of notice. Dismissal of employees for misconduct without an inquiry is problematic too. Employers can mitigate the risks simply by following due process. The fourth and last cause is contravention of service conditions or rules agreed between employees and employers. Service conditions include the employment contract and policies and rules of the employer. This is where you see instances of employers applying for injunctions against unauthorized disclosure of confidential or proprietary information acquired by employees during their employment or an employer applying for enforcement of contractual obligations which survive after the employment, such as non-compete or non-disparagement. But we have not seen such litigation as is not common since the time and costs involved are somewhat discouraging. Other causes for employment litigation, which I will categorize as miscellaneous causes for the purposes of ease, will cover instances of claims by other parties such as contract staff and organizations which engage such staff. You could see claims seeking employment on grounds of misclassification, non-payment of dues or claims seeking parity with benefits given to employees. 
In such cases, the principal employer, that's the organization which hires the contractor directly or indirectly, is exposed to claims which are not strictly employment related, but more contractual in nature. So Arjun, are some types of claims or disputes more successful than others? Can you predict the final verdict? A way of looking at this would be to consider the nature of claim against the allegations. So if an employee makes a claim for overtime wages, when it is clear that she or he has worked overtime, then you can be fairly certain of an outcome in favor of the employee. However, if an employee acts negligently and thereby causes physical injury or damages property, then an employer has better chances of defending claims by the employee, such as claims for wrongful termination leading from dismissal for negligence. It would be great to predict an outcome at the outset. Yes and no, black and white. But in reality, the facts and merits of each case will decide if a claim is successful or not. So cases where the non-compliance with law or the service conditions is clearly evident are more likely to succeed for employees, whereas cases where the employee's rights have been infringed, such as breach of confidentiality or the service conditions and policies of the employer, are more likely to succeed in favor of the employers. I will request my colleague Jaya to illustrate this with some examples. Over to you, Jaya. Thank you, Arjun. Let's take a case where an employer is dismissing an employee under the retrenchment provisions of the Industrial Disputes Act. The employer follows the process, pays retrenchment compensation, considers seniority, provides notice, and even intimates the labor authorities on time. The employer does everything right, except paying the retrenchment compensation on the date of retrenchment usually the last working day, which is mandatory. Instead, the employer pays the retrenchment compensation a few days after the date of retrenchment. We have seen employees litigate against delay in such payments and courts holding the retrenchment to be invalid on grounds that the retrenchment compensation was not paid out on the date of retrenchment. In practical terms, this may not have meant that the employee was reinstated and the employer could have likely offered an additional compensation by way of settlement through the court. But it does show the risk of not following due process. Another example, an independent consultant is engaged on a contract for an open-ended duration with the right to end her services with immediate notice. During the course of her engagement, she applies for maternity leave. Her leave is denied and her employer also terminates her contract with immediate effect. Despite her position as an independent consultant and not employee, the consultant is entitled to all maternity benefits, including leave under the Maternity Benefits Act. On litigating, the independent consultant would succeed and her employer would be directed to retain her services and provide her the statutory maternity benefits. As the last example, an employer dismisses an employee for misconduct. The charges are theft of company property based on allegations made by a senior employee against the junior employee. The employer does not press criminal charges, but 
fails to investigate the circumstances and the facts surrounding the theft and therefore does not record its findings in writing it also fails to conduct a formal inquiry or even provide the employee an opportunity to reply to the allegations against him the employer simply relies on verbal allegation of the senior employee and terminates the employment upon litigation against his wrongful termination the courts are very likely to accept that the employee was wrongfully terminated and the employer had not followed due process that is formally inquiring into the allegations against the employee and permitting the employee to defend the allegations against him the consequences of this are that the courts could order the employee's reinstatement with back wages in a nutshell claims involving contravention of law failure to follow due process or the service conditions or strict liability for compensation as in case of workplace accidents are more likely to succeed than other types of claims this implies that following due process and law could mitigate the risk of litigation to a large extent needless to say the most severe risk for employers is the failure to comply with law especially for such compliances which attract criminal liability for the company and its representatives thanks jaya so arjun how do courts react to employment claims what is your experience on this in a sense you could say that courts in india are employee friendly but this does not imply or mean that the courts are biased or favor employees alone the general approach to any employment litigation is one of conciliation with the employee in mind you have cases where courts have awarded back wages to employees who are even dismissed for gross negligence or criminal conduct even though the allegations against the employee were true but because the employer did not follow the principles of natural justice while dismissing such employees these principles are things like holding an inquiry permitting the employee to present their defense and establishing that the employer carried out an impartial process conversely courts have not accepted claims against employers who are successful in establishing that their actions against the employee are backed up by a fair and impartial process and does not involve any non compliances with law courts do not for the most part exercise judgment on the motivation of an employer's action that is the reasons for a particular action but they do attach great importance to establish whether the adverse action against employees is being judged by the employer properly and fairly rather than it being arbitrary and biased needless to say every case is decided on facts and law but the basic yardstick used to measure the employer's defense in employment litigation will be the fairness of the process the absence of any coercion that all compliances have been met by the employer and so on where there's a clear trail and most preferably in writing and backed up by evidence an employer is unlikely to find itself in a position where it is unsuccessful in fending off claims from employees and i think that's our time for today and concludes the part 1 of this podcast series thank you arjun and jaya for your time we'll chat soon on the next part of this podcast series 